Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me. I always appreciate you giving me your time. Today's conversation is going to be human sexuality. And I am addressing this topic because of these four things. One, it is separate from, but part of a discussion around gender equality and gender identity that we have had a couple of times in the podcast. Um, I'm not going to be going very far down that path. I just want to mention that it is a piece of the discussion, definitely not the whole discussion. Number two, humans have been challenged with this conversation for thousands of years. Think about it. For thousands of years, we have had prostitution. It's like one of the oldest jobs in in human history, right? It is, uh, you know, there's been thousands of years of people cheating on people. There's been thousands of years of marriages that last for most of a lifetime. There's been, like, these things have been going on for a very long time. And to ignore the conversation just seems silly. The third thing, it affects us psychologically, sociologically, and culturally. When we look at what uh, we see in, in our world around us, in our town, in our city, in our media, in our individual relationships with other people that we have been intimate with or that we want to be intimate with, you can tell it affects us psychologically, sociologically, and culturally. The other reason, and this is this is just one little um, dig in spot. Like I'm not going to dig in a ton into the different areas because this is an overview podcast in this particular topic on uh, on this particular topic. But where I'm going to dig in just a, a little bit is going to be the baggage when we don't do it well. And when I say we don't do it well, I'm not talking about the act. Uh, We can do the act very well and still not do human sexuality well. And so uh, you'll understand that hopefully before we are done. Uh, The way that I frame this, I'm hoping that some of you will uh, expand your thinking on the topic and potentially uh, have a lot of questions. A lot of questions would be really good. Uh, if you have questions at the end, please don't hesitate. Get onto uh, my website, find me on Facebook, uh, you know, track me down. I'm not hard to find and, and send me a note or put a question on the, uh, the, the, the podcast app itself. Just go ahead and go in there, leave a comment and in there, ask a question and I will take a look at it there too. Um, I do my best to get to all those different avenues and hopefully I'll, I'll be able to keep up as, uh, things tend to grow. All right. So I'm going to start off overview And for those of you who are potentially younger people in the audience, uh, you know, 
please ask questions about this. Ask people that you're close to your 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 parents, your um, you know your mentors, stuff like that. Uh, having this conversation is an important conversation. So my hope is that you'll take this, and it won't give you all the answers because I don't claim to have all of the answers, but it'll frame some things that'll hopefully spark some thinking that will lead to some action and better understanding and hopefully a better community wherever it is that you are. The design, the design of human sexuality is two pieces. Now you, you're maybe sitting out there saying two pieces. Oh my gosh, there's a lot more to it than two things. Yes and no. Look, we could get into all the details, but really what human sexuality is about is two different things, relational and biological. When you break it down, those are the two aspects of human sexuality that uh, we're going to encounter, the relational aspect and the biological aspect. I'm going to go ahead and just wrap up this biological one because, again, this is an overview. I'm not getting into the how-tos. I'm not getting into the, well, what-ifs when it comes to biology right now. What I am addressing is biological. We know that it is our design to fit together. We know that. There's no shame in that. It is, it is a reality of our design. We are designed also to enjoy the biological aspect. There should be enjoyment in our human sexuality. When we have a, um, an intimate relationship with somebody, there should be joy in it. Okay? Biologically, we know before the age of five that you know, boys and girls fit together. It doesn't take a genius to figure it out. We don't even have to teach it. We know it. Uh, it just becomes a very uh, natural part of our growing up. We, we just go, oh, wait a second. Their part's different. My part, hmm, you know, like it's like playing Tetris. We just know that they fit. Okay. <clears throat> Setting the biological aside, uh, the relational Relational is about belonging. Well, intimacy can increase the strength of the bond. There's risk in increasing the strength of a bond, though. The risk is potential relational injury, right? We can hurt one another when we're not careful. We have to treat each other with respect and kindness in the relationship in order to maximize the relationship. When we maximize the relationship and we understand that there is a biological craving and desire to be together and intimate in that relationship, we can absolutely have what we would call a pinnacle experience, an experience that is like no other. If you take away the relationship and you only do the biological, it may be fun in the moment, but it's it, there's a deadness to it because it's missing the relationship. If we take away the biological, there's also a bit of a deadness to it because we're designed to be both in those closest of close relationships. Now, in this particular podcast, I'm not going to get into the, well, should you be married? Should you not be married? We can save that for a different time. 
Today, I want to go into the male and female difference. I get this, when I go over this with clients in sessions, I get these these looks of like, why didn't anybody ever tell me that? And, and so sometimes I forget that people, they just, they haven't been taught. They don't know these things. And so from a, a, a very high level, like a very um, a broad perspective, I want to explain the male and female difference when it comes to uh, sexual desire and intimacy. To start off with, there are some things that are the same. So, for example, uh, when a male and a female climax, it is nearly identical in their chemistry. Their parasympathetic and their sympathetic nervous systems are in overload at that moment. And their responses are nearly the same. They are, you can barely tell the difference between a male and a female in that moment of climax because it's a maximum parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system response. So within the body, they respond very, very similar. But there are some differences, and I want to highlight a couple of those differences. Number one, most men, the vast majority of men that walk this planet are visually stimulated. Hence, all the pornography, the, uh, the, the clubs that they could go to, and stuff like that. The visual stimulation is very intense for a male. If a female is walking around naked, the male will very likely be stimulated to a degree. Now, some will have better self-control than others and so on, but the stimulation will still be there. The arousal response will still be there because they are visually stimulated. Now, remember this is a generalization. A generalization, it may be 90% of the world population, but it's still a generalization. If you fall outside of that norm, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means you function a little bit differently than the typical, okay? The next one, the female arousal response. The female arousal response most typically is not visual. There you know, don't get me wrong, there are women who find men to be very attractive and there can be some arousal response, but the vast majority of their arousal response for a female is narratively. And unfortunately, men, you should know this, they tend to build it themselves with our help. So we assist, but they build. It works like this. Most typically, a female will create a narrative. Early on in the relationship, they will think they found their Prince Charming. They, they found their one and only, the, that, that one brave soul who's just captured their heart, their life, and it's going to be it. And they build up this narrative. And we spend the rest of our lives, men, ruining it. We do, because we are... Um, I don't know. There's, there's not a nice way to say it. We're filthy critters. We, we, we are, um, at times a very disgusting group of people and it, it chips away at that narrative, making it harder and harder and harder for the arousal response to be what it once was for her. 
So there's some things that we can do um, to build that narrative. Now, that's on the big scale. On the small scale, from day to day, we can absolutely improve our uh, intimacy by remembering it's a narrative response and starting our, uh, our foreplay, per se, in the morning. In the morning, and it's not always touch. There's different types of love. But if we're trying to build a narrative, we have to key into many of them at different times. And if they're not in a place to build the narrative, there is nothing you can do as a man to create that narrative. There's just nothing. They, they unfortunately, have to build that narrative themselves with our help. So we can do all the romantic stuff but we have to depend on them to build that narrative. So for all the ladies out there, if your man is trying to help build that narrative, it's very important that you acknowledge it. Even if the answer is no, acknowledge the narrative they're trying to build. Because a man that takes the time, puts in the energy and the effort to try to build that romantic narrative is really working for you not against you. So that's something to keep in mind. So those two different frameworks from which men and women typically come from are very important in the consideration of intimacy. Keep that in mind because I'm going to go on to what we are not designed for. What we are not designed for relationally hurting one another. We're not designed for that. We, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, we are, if, if you if I was in a, a relationship, so I, I, my wife and I have been married for quite some time. And I, if I was, uh, relationally checked out, then her pain will interfere with her ability to be aroused and for us to be, uh, create a pleasurable environment for intimacy. It's just, it's just hard. So if I'm hurting her emotionally by checking out, then I can't expect, even though biology will work, I can't expect it to have as much meaning. I have to be invested in the relationship and the biology, or it goes against our design. Both. It's not one or the other. It's both. In the event that we damage a relationship, the recovery process can be very, very challenging to our sexuality. Our, our human sexuality is not designed to handle tons and tons of pain. We are designed to recover, but it takes work. So the best bet, don't damage the relationship as, as, as much as you can protect it from the beginning. You might be wondering, how, what goes against the design biologically then? Well, biologically, I'll give you a great example. Um, if we are hurting one another, it goes against our design. So biologically, what does that look like? Um, if, uh, you know, if you're in the, 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 uh, the act of, of sex and there's, there's penetration in the, uh, the rectum, that goes against biology. You don't have to like that. It is a reality. 
that damages the body and you end up with future issues as a result. If you want to, you can go look this up. Um, Be careful how you look it up. You can end up in weird places with weird information. But the reality is that that hole is not designed to have things put in it. It's just not. And later on, you can have major medical issues that result from it. Lots of them. And so... Whether you agree with me or disagree with me, the reality is that hole is not designed to have anything there. It's just not. Um, there's other biological things. Uh, you know, there's limitations to how long sex can last. If uh, you know a, a, a woman is only able to um, naturally lubricate for so long, and you don't add lubrication you can end up with major biological issues. It can be really sore, really tender. And not just for her, it can be really tough for him too. So there are biological limitations that go against our design. It's important to keep those in mind as we, as we have this discussion. So I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to say the fourth thing in the why. The fourth thing that I mentioned in the why was we carry a lot of baggage. Every time we are damaged in a relationship or in a sexual intimate way, we carry that baggage forward. If uh, you dated somebody in high school, you carry and and it, it it went horribly bad in the end. You carry that to today. The only way around that is for you to do a lot of work and it can be done, but it's not easy. So if we carry that, I told you this was the one area is going to get a little bit more specific. If we carry that kind of baggage into our relationships, I want you to think about what that might do to the current relationship. What if you're married for 50 years and there's 10 things that are absolutely 100% off limits, we'll never do it because, why? Oh, because somebody in high school hurt you um, in, in, in a relational and a possibly even a physical way? Do you think that could take away from some of the experience that you could be having that may actually be good, loving, gentle, kind, wonderful? Absolutely. And we carry that kind of baggage from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, and so on. So we really want to be careful about the baggage that we carry forward. It interferes, it gets in the way, it takes away joy and respect and kindness and an opportunity from our future intimate relationship. And the same is true whether you're married, not married, whether you're faithful or unfaithful, those things absolutely get carried forward into future relationships. So it's very important very important that we consider these things as we go. They go against our design. We're not designed to carry that kind of baggage forever and ever. 
if you find yourself in in a, a relationship where things are going against natural design, I strongly urge you to ask ask for help. Talk to a counselor. Talk to uh, a, a therapist. Talk to a, uh, a, a you know somebody in your inner circle, your friends, your family that you trust that you can have this kind of conversation with. But to keep it to yourself, understand the longer you keep it to yourself, the further it goes down your path with you in your bag and the more it impacts your relationships. Okay. A quick recap. I talked to you about the why, the design, and what goes against the design. We talked about how the baggage is carried forth to new relationships, future relationships, or even just deeper into our current relationship. It's very important. Please, please, please have these conversations. Um, Feel free to leave me comments on here, questions on here. I will answer them to the best of my ability. Please also remember, I am not an expert on everything I talk about. I have worked with uh, issues around human sexuality for a very long time. Um, this is an area I'm very confident and strong with my, uh, my, my research and my background. Um, but there are still things that I don't know. Do a simple vocabulary lesson and you find out there are things we don't know. Okay. So thank you for listening to me talk about how we've been doing this for thousands of years and how it's been an issue for thousands of years, the psychological, sociological, cultural aspects, the baggage that we carry, the design that we have. And if you have questions, go ahead and post some on here. I'll do my best to answer them. Thank you very much for joining me and have a great day.